HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network since 2009. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Cutting the Curd on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Joe Salonia. Both our next guests are making their Cutting the Curd debut, and both are co-champions from the recent Cheesemonger Invitational Masters held this past March in New York City. On the show today, we have Courtney Johnson and Sam Rollins. Courtney wears many hats in the cheese business and is based in Seattle, Washington, and previously placed second in the Cheesemonger Invitational two times in winter 2020 and 2022. Sam Rollins is based in Portland, Oregon, and has been a cheesemonger for about 10 years and recently took home the champion trophy by winning the winter 2022 Cheesemonger Invitational. Both are now preparing to represent Team USA individually at the Mondial du Fromage, an elite international competition for cheesemongers held this September in France. Courtney and Sam, welcome to Cutting the Curd. Thank you so much. It's such an honor to be here. It gives me the tingles to hear you even like do your whole intro spiel. Right on. Thank you for having us. It's really cool to be on. So this is really a cool thing, cool moment in time. How excited are you both to be part of this international endeavor, aspiring to be the best cheesemonger in the world? What does this mean to you? I'm going to throw the question to both of you. Yeah, I I think it's really exciting. I, for a long time, it didn't feel real to me that uh, I was even part of this. Um, so it's been very cool and sort of a wild ride to imagine being part of this competition. Um, it's I'm just really excited to do it, um, to do the dang thing, and uh, to sort of show the other people what else Americans can do. <laughs> Exactly. Right on. It's a pretty elite uh, competition. Sam, what, what do you think about this? What does it mean to you? It's so fun. Um, it's really just an opportunity to talk to really cool people and be in the same room as people who are doing amazing stuff with cheese. I feel like I'm going as somebody who has a lot to learn. And I'm not necessarily aspiring to be the best cheesemonger in the world, but it's um, amazing to get the chance to be among some people who are um, so I'm really looking forward to just seeing what the international 
scene is like. Like I feel thanks to CMI and thanks to Instagram, um, a few other cheese uh, venues, I have a pretty good sense of who's doing really cool stuff in the U.S. and who I want to learn from. Um, but there's just so much more out there. It, it, it does seem to be like this this other world that's happening uh, in uh, at this at this competition. And uh, speaking of the CMI Masters, I mean, you were in a pool of some super talented people all in one room. I, I, I was there in attendance, just uh, being able to observe the the sculptures and and the displays. Um, there was a lot of behind the scenes things that happened. But there was uh, how many how many competitors were in that in the CMI Masters? Was there about fifteen or so, give or take? Uh, there were just 13 competitors for CMI Masters. Okay. Uh, so 13 uh, that, that were uh, not random. I mean, they either won or placed or were top finishers in past. Uh, they were, some of them were, were first place champions like yourself, Sam. Uh, just just a, a lot of talent in one room that Adam was able to uh, pull together and make an intimate uh, kind of relaxed, uh, uh, modified or, or, or specific training for this purpose. And there was a third person we should mention, uh, Alex Armstrong. So he's a prolific top finisher at more than one CMI competition. So where does Alex fit into the picture? Um, Alex is a super cool, actually the first CMI that I ever went to as not a competitor, but just as a baby cheesemonger. And I went to spectate at CMI in San Francisco and Alex came in second behind uh, Rory Stamp. Um, and at that time I was like, oh man, those guys are so cool. I want to be like them someday. Um, so it's really cool and exciting for me to now get to like hang out with these people and talk about cheese and talk about cheese strategy and nerdy things like that together. Um, so he, um, did really well at the competition too. Um, so he's basically our backup and support and, uh, learning system as we kind of work our way through preparation. And once we go there, if we need a second pair of hands for anything, um, Courtney and I are both like helping each other as much as possible, but having him in the mix is huge too. Mm-hmm. Maybe a collaboration or if one of you gets like cheese elbow, you got like a sub, somebody can, you know, uh, take your place, God forbid. Um, but, but just, uh, I guess there's, there's that you need that kind of insurance for such a, uh, uh, a competition at this level. But um, I want to back up a second. Um, Courtney, I want to I start with you with just a couple questions. You have, you have just fascinating background. You're a champion in cheese, CMI Masters, certified cheese professional, certified cheese sensory evaluator. You're a public cheese educator, and you write the cheese blog called PH Cheese. But your career, as I'm reading your resume, started in academia, and now you're in cheese. What did you study uh, in academia, and how did, you, how did you end up in cheese? Yeah, that's a good question. I started out, uh, actually, I have a PhD in German literature. I studied a bunch of things in college and had a really great um, teacher one year when I was an undergrad who inspired me to want to become a professor. And so I went the whole nine yards. I got a master's and a PhD in German. And sort of when I was in my PhD program, I had the epiphany that this was actually not what I wanted to be doing. Um, so for writing my dissertation, I actually moved up to Seattle with a guy I was dating at the time and needed to get a job. Uh, ended up the only place that would hire me was a grocery store to be a produce helper clerk. And 
the cheese lady was super rad and I just started talking to her a lot and she kind of sucked me in. She actually told me that you could become a certified cheese professional and that you could compete in the Cheesemonger Invitational. And that really appealed to me as somebody who was very competitive and who also like loves learning. And I just found this fit where I could actually use my teaching experience and my research experience to like educate people about cheese and be involved in this community that is much less toxic than the academic community that I was looking at finding a job in if I had stayed the course and used that uh, literature degree for what it was supposed to be used for. Love it. You know, food business, cheese, it's like a business that happens happens to people, right? So many of people's stories I hear are kind of just a happenstance and they kind of fell in love. But this also this also proves my theory that you can almost connect any two uh, careers in our paths. Like nothing's ever, you know, for, for nothing. There's always something that kind of builds you into uh, your next line of work as long as you're passionate about the work you're involved in. But you're, you're also the executive director of the Washington State Cheesemakers Association, and uh, I read that in 2005, there were fewer than 10 registered cheesemakers in Washington State. Now there, there's more than 50. That's pretty incredible, uh, not just in numbers, but also in variety and diversity. What do you think, what's driving this growth? Yeah, that's a really great question. I think there are a couple of things that have driven that growth. Um, the, I mean, the biggest thing is Washington's actually a big agricultural state, um, Eastern Washington's a little bit drier than I think the stereotype of rainy Seattle would lead you to believe. So um, it's a nice place for farming. We do have really good pasture land in the summers and springs and falls. So, you know, there are lots of opportunities for dairy farming of all kinds out here. And we also have a really great community of cheesemakers who help each other and rely on each other and they'll sell each other equipment or, um, you know, allow somebody to come learn how to make cheese at their creamery. So there's a lot of collaboration and cross-pollination that happens in our state. So I think that that is definitely um, one of the driving reasons behind all of the creameries that we have here. But the vast majority of them are super tiny creameries that don't sell outside of their town or county. Um, so, you know, it's at least say, telling that people can make a living or attempt to make a living selling cheese in parts of the state outside of the big cities um, with the communities that they have and people being interested in buying local goods as well. Right on. Wow. So, yeah. So for a guy from New Jersey, there's more to Washington State and Seattle than just the grunge music scene, obviously. Uh, there's, uh, I'd love to dig into that more. And, and it sounds like it could be an episode into and of itself, just exploring and understanding Washington agriculture and cheesemaking. Um, switching gears here, Sam, you've been on fire these last 15 months. You are CMI Winter 2022 champion and also the winner of the 2023 Conte scholarship that was given to you at the ACS uh, CCP exam. I think that's how it works. Or how, how did you, uh, did you take this Conte trip yet? Um, so the, the trip is happening in uh, early July. So I think it is in the future for me now, but for the listeners, it will be, have been in the past. Gotcha. Right on. Um, so yeah, it's coming up here in about a month and I'm very, very excited to go to the Jura and meet Conte cheesemakers and see just that amazing landscape that I've never been in. It should be pretty dreamy. Um, 
And uh, I'm going to guess this trip will uh, build build your work. What are you looking forward to most to uh, at that trip? The, the landscapes? Are you looking? Is there any other geeky things you're looking to hopefully discover while you're there? So many things. I mean, I feel like in a in a large way, I'm a very one dimensional cheese professional at this point. I have a lot of experience as a cheesemonger. Um, I've had three jobs in the cheese industry and all of them were cheesemongering. Um, I haven't spent very much time on farms and I haven't spent very much time with cheesemakers. And I feel like I have the easy, easy job. Like this is just standing around talking to cool people about cool cheese. Like absolutely pay me for that. And, uh, I'm going to be as good at it as I can, but that work, if you can call it that just pales so much in comparison with what the cheese makers and the dairy folks are doing at the other end of the production line. Um, so I feel like it is absolutely my job to be representing what they do and be representing it well and share with everybody just how important that is in a modern industrial society that there are still these really traditional pastoral um, systems that have legitimate reasons to be integrated into the modern world and just how healthy that is for us as humans, how healthy that is for us as communities across the world and how important it is for the, for the sustainability of, of the landscape and the earth too. So those are all words that I can say, but I have no real experiential backup for that. So that's kind of what I see as the next step for myself in the next few years is to really get a better kind of inside view of what work cheesemakers are putting in and what work uh, people living on farms and working with uh, cows and sheep and goats and walking them up into the mountains or walking them out uh, from the barn to the fields every day, just what goes into all of that. I think it's really amazing. Eloquently said, Sam. I mean, no doubt, whatever work you wind up continuing to do, uh, especially just as uh, you know, like you said, you you uh, your your main gig right now is cheesemongers, and and any class you give, I'm sure, will just have that much more weight when you speak about it. But what what is a typical day for you? You wear you wear a few hats at at, you work at Cowbell Cheesemongers in Portland, uh, Oregon. Um, So what this is a pretty dynamic business model. Uh, what, what, what do you, what, what is, what does a typical day look like for you there? Yeah. Um, for some reason, I don't know why we call them mustaches instead of hats at Cowbell. So I have a few mustaches that I wear every day. Um, (laughs) primarily Cowbell is a wholesaler and a distributor in the Portland Metro area going down into, uh, central and Southern Oregon and up, uh, into Seattle a little bit. Um, we do a little bit of importing. That's kind of the next, uh, frontier for us is to build that back up a little bit after taking a break during the pandemic. And then right at the beginning of the pandemic, um, as restaurants in Portland shut down pretty much all at once and Caldwell had a big warehouse full of, well, a small warehouse full of cheese, um, to get out there. Greg opened up a little quote unquote pop-up cheese shop, um, on the floor above the warehouse. 
Um, and so that was actually when I was hired was to just kind of run the shop and keep that going in the short term while things kind of moved on to whatever thing they moved on to in 2020. And as it turned out, the cheese shop um, kind of had legs of its own and has developed to be a good part of the business. So I'm still uh, working in the cheese shop um, a couple days a week. We have a couple other people who work in the shop as well. Um, and then working the rest of the time in wholesale in one capacity or another. Either I feel like I spend a lot of time um, collecting paperwork from different parts of the building, different clipboards, and putting them on one singular clipboard. Um, so that's a mustache that I wear. Um, and then processing cheese, taking uh, wholesale orders, doing sales, um, kind of every facet of the business were small enough that we're all kind of integrated into it on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah, you can really see it going from soup to nuts. And, and, and I guess in theory, I don't know if this happens, but you could be even calling on Courtney, uh, you know, because you guys, I think, reach Seattle now. And Courtney, you and your business partner launched a new mobile cheese shop called Street Cheese, right? It's a pop-up pop cheese shop. Do I, if I have that right? Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's – so technically we call it a mobile cheese shop, um, and we started doing pop-ups was sort of okay. the um, – the model, but yes, we do actually buy from Cowbell. Uh, I email Sam regularly to order oh. cheese. Courtney is so our favorite is, Seattle customer. Pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> it's so funny. You guys are like uh, you, know, you guys work and cooperate, and then you're both going to France. So what? So Courtney, what led you to deciding to launch this version of a of a cheese shop? So is it is it fair to call it a mobile cheese shop? I mean, do you move it around? Is it on wheels or is it uh, is it uh, in parts and you're able to assemble something quickly if you are at a space? Like, how, what is what's happening here? Oh yeah, um, so we started out. Um, you know, the business is a pandemic, baby. September 2020. I was frustrated with our day job and applied for a business license. And we'd been talking for years about having a food truck. Um, and being able to show up at events and sell cheese and cheese plates and sort of bring cheese to the people. Um, we've always been really passionate about making cheese more accessible to people, regardless of where they live, um, you know, making it not as much of a specialty thing that you have to go to a specialty grocery store to find. And sort of in this thick of the pandemic, uh, starting the business, we were like, we'll just sell cheese platters and we'll do home cheese delivery. And we did do a few cheese deliveries and we did a lot of platters because people were actually entertaining more than they were supposed to be during the pandemic. Um, <clears throat> but we were working out of, uh, we still work out of a commissary kitchen at a micro business incubator in uh, sort of a town just outside of Seattle called Burien. And the executive director encouraged us to do pop-ups at local brewery. Um, and we actually did our first little pop-up with a coffee shop in another town. Um, it was like a wine and cheese pairing. And I brought cheese that was pre-cut and we plated it for everybody who had purchased a ticket. And then uh, the winemaker was there with wines. And that was our sort of first event. And then at this brewery that we were told about, we actually 
started coming with uh, cheeses pre-cut and offering people cheese plates that were sort of built to order. Um, so you could order a plate with four cheeses and we had a selection that you could choose from and then you could pick two accompaniments on the side and then it would come with crackers. And our brewery patrons loved that and it sort of, we built it out over uh, the next few years. We were doing cheese and charcuterie plates, just charcuterie, just cheese. Um, we did a foray into halloumi plates with our little hibachi grill. And we also did a raclette pop-ups in the wintertime um, where we actually brought the raclette grill out and we're scraping over potato chips. Um, and so that was a lot of our business through pretty much the end of last year. Um, but pop-ups also, I think we're very much a pandemic thing. Um, and as people started to settle back into their old routines of going to their restaurants, they were buying fewer cheese plates at the breweries. And so we sort of, I think the the typical thing with pa pandemic businesses is that we're just constantly shifting and adapting. So we started doing more ticketed events and classes and pairings and tastings using the businesses that we already worked with. Um, so what usually happens is we'll prepare the cheese in our kitchen and then we pack everything up into some bins and take it with us, cheese in a cooler. And we set up shop at whatever business is hosting us, whether it's a restaurant or a brewery or um, a cafe or something. And we will sort of lead the tasting or class that we're doing. And then afterwards we have our little POS system set up and people can come buy cheese from us. Um, and then our commissary kitchen also has a front window that opens. So we'll do pop-ups out of the kitchen uh, a couple times a month where people can come buy things from us and we have everything in our cooler available for them. So it is very much, we don't have the food truck. Um, we decided we actually want to get the brick and mortar first. So we're in the process of looking for a brick and mortar. My business partner, Taylor, is on the hunt. Um, so that we can open that and then we'll figure out all of the licensing and crazy stuff that comes with having a food truck later on. Right on. So these, these gears are well oiled here. You, you, both of you have, are like, got a lot of things going on. You're busy, you're, but you're, there's a lot of dynamic things that I'm hearing and, and all your actions and your, and, and, uh, and, and, you know, whether you're running your business or, or, or your day to day, do you think these are the, or some of these skills or what you think gave you it in, a little bit of an edge to, uh, you know, finish on top during the, the recent CMI Masters. Uh, what do you think? Uh, I'll, I'll throw this to you first, uh, Courtney, since we're just on this right here. What do you do? You think helped you finish in front of the other great competitors at CMI Masters? Was were some of these things you're describing part of that? I'm sure it definitely plays a role. Um, being able to sort of like roll with the punches and adapt. Um, in a new situation. I mean, CMI Masters is um, pretty different of a competition from the regular Cheesemonger Invitational. So mm -hmm. just sort of like looking at the assignment and shaping my plan around that rather than continuing to do what I might have wanted to do. Um, but I think that, you know, one of the things that having my own business allowed me to do was actually have a practice session where I sort of did a mock-up of CMI Masters Mm, and wow. we sold tickets for people to come and it was sort of like, you know, look at it, give me feedback, which everybody from the public is like, it looks great. Mm. Um, and then <laughs> please help us eat all this cheese. So having that practice session, the ability to do that on my own schedule and on my business's own dime 
I think helped me to be much more comfortable going into a competition like this so that I could just be like, I've done this before. I'm going to do it and I'm going to hopefully do it better this time. So, right, right. So adapting, adjusting, practicing, Sam, does that resonate with you? Would you say that's, I mean, you're, I mean, there's a pattern here for both of you. You're, you're both, it's not, you know, to be in CMI Masters, you already had to already have won, and then you finished uh, amongst a very competitive, talented group of people. Do you think that's part of what helped you? Yeah, definitely. I mean, just to be perfectly clear, I came in second behind Courtney. She rocked it, and she absolutely crushed the competition. Um, so just being there with her, I feel like I was really I inspired. I, I feel like I use that word a lot in the context of being around other cheesemongers. Um, but it really made me excited to do this next step and take what we've been, um, what I've been practicing, what we've been working on, collaborating on together for the last, uh, month or two, take that to France and take it to the next level because I mean, she's, a model for uh, what I should do better. <laughs> uh, you guys are great. You guys are going to make this great wing commanders for each other, even though. But that is that's that's it's so humble of you to, to note that. That's really uh, great that you mentioned that to, for those listening. I'm sure they after everybody appreciates hearing that. I mean, I'll go a step further, and I mean, there were 13 people in that room, and I would have been so proud of any one of those 13 people for. Um, winning it because they all just did like we all did our utmost to bring everything we know to the table. And there was just some incredible work there. Um, I think the passion and the drive is the biggest takeaway for me, both from masters and just from CMI in general. I think it's really like some credit is absolutely due to uh, Adam for just creating this environment in the U S that didn't in, didn't exist before of building community almost across the country of people who are really passionate about fine cheese and the craft of cheesemongering. So anytime that you get 40 of those people in the same room, like beautiful things are going to come from that. hundred percent. I just wanted to tack onto that and say that like, you know, the, my favorite thing about cheesemonger invitational is always how inspiring everybody else's work is. You know, you go in and you do your stuff, but then to get to walk around and see how creative everybody else in that room is, is really a special thing. And that was even more the case at CMI Masters because everybody brought their best foot forward and did such a fantastic job and did really cool things that, you know, we don't necessarily get to do on a day-to-day basis. Um, but it's so exciting to see everybody's work in this setting. And yeah, I'm also really excited to see what... Sam is going to do at CMI or at a, in Montreal. Now, it is a pretty incredible thing what Adams created, the platform, the culture for it. Um, just a w- wonderful uh, um, kind of a community uh, of, of camaraderie and, and, and uh, fostering uh, nothing but the best of for each other. Um, and so um, we're just, I just have to pause right here. We're going to take a short break. And then I want to dig more into what's going on with the Concours Mondial du Mulier Fromager competition. Uh, for short, the Mondial du Fromage. So just hang out. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. 
HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City, Long Island, and Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. All right. Welcome back, everyone. We're here chatting with Courtney Johnson and Sam Rollins, CMI Masters, co-champions here on Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. Okay. One of the main reasons we wanted to chat with both of you today is this aspiration to be a world champion cheesemonger. For this competition coming up, the official title is dubbed the Concours Mondial du Millier Fromager. It will take place on September 10th through the 12th. Uh, the title for short is just simply Mondial du Fromage, an elite competition for cheesemongers. And uh, there's, a, you know, we can directly uh, translate the, 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 the meaning. Uh, it's easy to Google. But simply, I just want to break it down. How often is, how often is this contest held? Is it annual, biannual? Was, is it, do we, I haven't been able to understand the pattern because I guess because the pandemic's throwing me off. But is it an annual or biannual? It's, I believe it's biannual. Yeah, every other year, and it's within the context of a bigger cheese show. Um, so there's more happening around the competition. I think the competition is a day and a half, two days out of a four-day, maybe, um, show. And Sam, it sounds like you're, gonna, you're going to France in early July. Will that be your first time in France, or have you been there before? Uh, first time since 2007. I was actually able to study abroad in France when I was in college. I was a French major and history major. Um, so I went to a really wonderful town called Poitiers that's not too far from Tours, actually. Wow. Yeah, it is in Tours, Tour France, by the way. Um, and Courtney, have you been to France before? I have. Um, I actually, when I was in graduate school, I dated a French guy who... Um, family still lived in France. So we would go uh, one or two times a year, but I haven't been since 2013. So it's been or a while. 2015. Okay. So, but it sounds like you're kind of like kind of French vets in a way here. I mean, so do both of you speak limited or fluent French? I speak French pretty well. I'm a little shy, um, uh-huh. which is a general state of being, but I do speak it probably better than I think I do. Okay, that's pretty cool. How about you, Sam? Uh, she, I can attest. Courtney speaks better than I do. Um, I, I understand okay, and I can say yeah. words okay. Um, um, I would not say I speak French. <laughs> okay, all right, fair enough. And are you the only Americans competing in this contest? As far as I know, um, there is Nick Bain, who is. Uh, an Englishman at this point, but he's from America who yeah. I would imagine is competing. 
He's yeah. Nick Bain is competing. He's actually from Seattle too, which is kind of funny um, because all of us are Pacific Northwesterners. Um, But Nick is competing for the UK. Uh, I don't know if any other Americans are competing for other countries that has happened in the past. And uh, so, yeah, there must be something about the Pacific Northwest, huh? That uh, the, 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 the maritime climate is uh, good for cheese knowledge or something like that. There's something um, in the cheese. Some, something in the cheese. Perfect. What? So, um, Courtney, what are you most excited about? Oh, gosh, I think at this point I'm most excited about taking all of my ideas and actually executing them. Um you know, we, I, we've had so much time to think through our options and um, do practice, but there's something about doing it all at once with that a, a rush of adrenaline fueling you that I'm, I'm excited to, to just put it all into motion. And Sam, what are you most excited about? Just the whole experience. I can't even imagine what it's going to be like. Joe, have you been there? I've not been to the competition. I've only been to France, but it's been like more than 10 years ago and I, I, I miss it. I, I will. I want to, f- I need a reason to go back, which shouldn't be that complicated. It just should just be to eat cheese and <laughs> drink wine or something. But, uh, no, I've not been, I'd like to someday. Yeah. Well, um, that's, I mean, that's kind of, I'm excited to go in part just because I want to eat cheese and drink wine. And in some ways I feel like France is often put in the place of being the motherland of cheese, um, rightfully in a lot of ways. Um, and I feel just, it's going to be really amazing to be in the motherland of cheese, um, and get to taste and look and touch and just that whole environment is going to be really special. I'm sure there'll be some things there that you can only see if you're there and when you're there that you won't see, and it gives you a inspiration to return. That's, that's kind of how I sum it up. There's just things that you'll just never see unless you go back. Uh, the most delicious raw milk cheeses and rare wines. What do you, what are you most nervous about? Uh, Sam, I'll, I'll shoot that one to you first. What are you most nervous about or anxious about? Yeah. So plenty of things. Um, I'm definitely a procrastinator, so there's plenty of things that I haven't even thought about enough yet to be nervous about them, but I know I will be sometime in the next few months. Um, I, so in the preparation for going to Mondial, we've had the opportunity to speak to a few international cheesemongers, some Belgian cheesemongers, some French cheesemongers. Um, And it's really striking just how practical and experiential their cheese knowledge is, that it really comes from being close to the source and it comes from a day-in, day-out exposure to these cheeses. And I'm lucky enough in my job now that we bring in some really wonderful, traditionally made cheeses from across Europe um, consistently enough that I get to track you know, some of the seasonality and follow just the, the inconsistencies in a way that come with seasons and hands being in the vat rather than machines. Um, so I do get some of that, but for the most part, I feel like my cheese education has come from 
books a lot of the time. And books are always going to, you know, if they're talking about Gruyere, they're going to give you the flavor profile of a young Gruyere and an aged Gruyere and maybe a Gruyere alpage. And that is what that is. And you kind of take that as um, rote and you, you know, there's a common language of, of this is what Gruyere tastes like. And you talk to a European cheesemonger and it's really not presented in those terms. It's presented not as this is a one-year aged Gruyere, but this is a Gruyere from the month of July. Um, and this is what was happening in July. And this is what, the, you know, this is why this cheese tastes like this, because this is what was happening at that time. And it's just such a different way of thinking about cheese. And it's a really um, amazing way to get to think about cheese that really puts it in its place and in its time in a way that I think is really worth um, highlighting and emphasizing for the end consumer um, because I think it plays into what makes cheese so special. And for a lot of cheeses that are presented in the U.S., we just don't have the knowledge we you know that it doesn't come down the pipeline to the cheesemonger at the end of the road to be able to share that kind of information with um their customers and so that's something that i really want to delve into more and spend more time around european cheesemongers and hear how they talk about cheeses and the profiles of cheese throughout the year um i yeah long answer short i'm excited yeah that they, they they relate to it because I, I just recently met um, a woman. It's probably her second or third career move. Uh, she just wanted to work in a wine store where they're selling a little bit of cheese. First cheese job ever, but she just happened to be from Normandy, France. And then me giving her just some basic knowledge of you know the ABCs of cheese. She, she knew she knew more in her pinky like already than than I ever started out with. You know she she just because of the default of being you know from that part of the world. Courtney, do you do you does that does that play into you uh, your strategy or anticipation or level of anxiety? I don't know. You seem pretty stoic. You maybe you know, I don't know. You, you're pretty uh, sturdy over there. Every, the times I've met you and seen you perform, but does that something that's on your mind that there's some native cheese people? I mean, you're from Washington. There's agriculture that you described. So, what's going on there? Yeah, I think um, for me, I love that I come off as stoic because um, I think it's really uh, covering up like horrible imposter syndrome <laughs> mm-hmm. and like a lot of like deep anxieties about everything. Um, so I, I think I focus um, my sort of nerves on minutia just as a coping mechanism. So I am less worried about, sort of the cultural inherent knowledge and more about sort of the technical, the little technical things, probably because those are the things that we do every day and those are the things that I can control. Um, So as somebody who's never been able to paint inside the lines or color inside the lines, I am more worried about making perfect cuts and um, having everything be very even. Um, I'm also a little bit nervous about the judges. you know, as a, a European slate of judges with sort of different backgrounds um, and any perceptions that they might have when they're encountering American competitors. So I think those are the sort of places that my brain goes to with its anxieties. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so how are you both 
preparing for this. Uh, Courtney, I'll start with you. Um, are you doing more dry runs or practice sessions with the, the different uh, um, competencies that are expected? I'll just name a few like uh, that I read. There's a, there's a, uh, you're going to do a blind taste of four AOP cheeses uh, to the point where you have to name the type of cheese, geographical region, the method that it's made. You're going to cut you know, a certain size cheese uh, you'll do an oral presentation. There's a four-hour test. There's a cheese plate. Is, is there, so there's some crossovers with CMI kind of vibes. But like, are you are you going to do more of these sessions or practices? Yeah, I am probably going to do another big practice session through my business in August, um, and then I think Sam and I are going to be doing some practice during CMI in June. Um, that Adam is lining up for us. Um, but I am doing, I'm a big ruminator. So I like to think about things long and hard for a long time before I act, which is probably actually procrastination. I wonder, but no, I like the sound of that though. Yeah. So I, I have a lot of ideas and I, I mean, I have been tasting cheese every day and building cheese plates every day, just working on little cutting, um, little cutting techniques and tasting and flavor combinations and things um, and sort of thinking through some of the bigger combinations. We also have our weekly Zoom sessions where we're meeting with people who've competed before or who have judged or um, people who like today we met with somebody who is an expert in plating. So just kind of exploring all of the little tasks that we need to do to make up a whole for each of the activities mm-hmm. that we're being mm-hmm. asked to do. There's like, you get it, get your acuity to a certain level, taste buds to a certain level. Mm -hmm. Um, there's, there's, there's ways you can, I think, fool your senses too. Uh, I was, I forget where I read this. I wish I I read things and I don't mark, I don't bookmark a lot of stuff, but, um, the, it made me think of like, you know, if I wanted to get my, my taste buds a little more acute, I would start by trying to take four brands of water and and, and decide if I could taste the difference between the waters and then go ahead and taste cheese. It almost like to kind of like tune your instrument to the point where you could taste the difference between four waters, um, uh, as one, I'm one experiment. And I, I think it worked, you know, but I, I don't know, I haven't done it enough where I went and tasted some cheeses and I mean, I was a little more sensitive to it, but there's going to be high, high marks, uh, for sc- high, you're going to get scored for high marks. And there's also going to be penalties i read is that is that also happen at cmi are there points off for things is that just normal or is it is it unique to the mondial du fromage that they give penalties i think that might be unique to the mondial du fromage um the amount of penalties that you could potentially receive Mm -hmm. um which really runs the gamut from having a dirty workstation to you know having your clothes be wrinkled or oh wow dirty um sort of like the whole package that they're looking at there, which I think CMI is much more about what your output is. Interesting. Yeah. Cause you have a uniform, you had to send your size. You're going to have a, 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 like a chef coat type looking uh, uniform, right? That's going to mm-hmm. be something you'll wear. And then you're going to be given a budget of 150 Euro or so to go shopping the morning of one of the days at this grand market where there's fruits, vegetables, herbs, flowers, and are your wheels already spinning about, What's possible to do there? Uh, have you c- kind of thought about that a little bit? Yeah, I'm, it seems like something that we're going to kind of try and strategize ahead of time because those markets, from what I hear, can be just 
such a, an abundance of options. So we're going to really try and have what we're looking for dialed in by the time we uh, show up with 150 euros in our hands. Um, I have to say at CMI Masters, the thing that stressed me out more than any other thing before the competition started, one of the judges came up to me and said, hey, Sam, your shirt's untucked in the back. Make sure you tuck that in. You're going to get points off if your shirt isn't tucked in the whole time. And so the entire six hours, eight hours, whatever it was of the competition, that was all I was thinking about. Like, is my shirt tucked in? Am I like bending over too far? Is my shirt going to pop out in the back? Uh, I need to wash my hands and tuck my shirt in and wash my hands and start cutting cheese again. Um, so yeah, I think that is, uh, the penalties thing is something that I'm not used to, like keeping a clean workstation, of course, um, and keeping your apron clean, but I never really think about my shirt that much in a cheese, in a cheese context. Yeah. Well, you'll have a, you'll have a, a fresh pressed chef coat or, or cheese. I'm going to have coat. safety pins. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's bring some safety pins. That wouldn't have been your secret weapon. Are you bringing any props? Like, uh, you know, are you allowed to bring decorative props, or is that like actually something you absolutely need to think about bringing a suitcase full of? Yeah, there's a lot of um, a lot of setup that goes into it. Um, I just bought a sewing machine. Actually, in preparation for a CMI Masters, I spent more time than I have spent in my life um, with a a saw cutting wood and. Uh, going to FedEx to print out posters and um, making things out of cardboard and cutting things with X-Acto knives. It was the most um, craft-heavy cheesemonger experience I've ever had. Um, and I actually really enjoyed it, um, making all of those um, supports and plates. And not that I made my own plates, but just piecing together all of the elements is really satisfying. That sounds like fun though, right? It's like a, like a, like you're playing. You're you're in you're in your element. You're in your natural habitat. You're you're playing with uh, shapes and and you're in you're crafting uh, what your presentation can be. And it sounds like the sky's the limit. It, Courtney, do you does this is that something you're you enjoy also? Is are your wheels spinning? You know. Oh yeah, I mean it's. I think for for me, I'm making fewer of the things myself and like sourcing. Um, the supports as they call them, um, the props. So really trying to like scour different places to find exactly the right riser or the perfect plate or box or cloche or whatever um, to accomplish sort of like the grand vision that's in my brain. Um, but it is, it kind of feels a little bit like planning a party um, because you have this sort of like theme for each thing that you're trying to convey um with things that are not made out of food um which is pretty cool is there a set theme that you are going to be adhering to there's a large scale display that we have to build and that has a theme which um was the same at cmi masters which is cheese in the stars but nothing else has a theme they're just uh specific requirements cheese and the stars or cheese in the stars in the stars cheese in the stars and by stars, we mean heavenly bodies. Oh, shit. I thought mean... it meant Tom Cruise. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> does it mean that? Does it mean, you know? Uh, but yeah, I'm going to guess it means heavenly bodies mostly. Well, it comes um, from French at 12, so it would be the, yeah, the more celestial. 
So that that's that could be anything. That could be a moon. That could be a planet. That could be a planetary moon. That could be uh, you know, from anything from the the moon of Titan to uh, the planet uh, Neptune, Jupiter to uh, you start naming things. You know, Orion uh, and you know pyramids and ancient aliens. Now we're getting off on a tangent, <laughs> but it's all on the table. Yep, it's, it's all on the table. Um, and and are you allowed to use lights? Are you allowed to use um, uh, anything mechanical? There's no electricity, um, but if you have perhaps battery-operated items, you could include those sorts of things. What do you call those contraptions? It has like a name where you put, the marble goes down and it kicks over a bucket and it and then bucket goes into a shoe and the shoe falls out in some water and then it hits a the dish and it tips, you know, like that. That's called a... Starts with an R. I don't remember. Uh, yeah, that, that would be, I guess, a little little too crazy to far-reaching there with cheese and the stars. But I, I, I wonder if like someone has ever attempted something like that with cheese. Um, almost like the like the mousetrap game we played as kids. I don't know if you played it as a kid. Um, it was kind of like that. Um, just just a fun, uh, you know, like our board games. Uh, are you are you allowed to bring in anything that's branded? I I, I guess we're, we're we're will we be able to see this contest? Will it be will there be a live link or? I mean, we're going to put a link to the contest up in the, in the post somewhere um, when 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 we release the episode. But is there will there be like a live simulcast or anything like that? you're aware of? I actually have no idea. Um, there will be a live audience for the whole thing, which is petrifying to me, but I don't know about, uh, um, a simulcast. Do you, Courtney? Um, I understand that it, like the French media are there filming. So ostensibly it will be on TV in France, but I don't know. And actually like, this is something we should figure out because a lot of people have been asking if they can watch. Um, I don't know you if there's like an online version and there should be one so that everybody could, can sort of see how this goes down. There's gotta be a way if it hasn't been thought of already to make that happen. I think everybody would be t- so stoked to watch this online, uh, even if it's just on their phone or whatever, you know, just whatever platform, something it's gotta be, if it's Facebook live, even just any way to, you know, to, 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 to view it, kind of cheer you on, um, would, would be really exciting. Um, I hope that we can figure that out. Um, I want, I have a kind of a sort of a, a finisher question here. Cause you know, we could talk all day, but if, you know, we're running close on uh, running that time here, but, um, Courtney, I'm going to throw this one to you first. What is the one thing that if you could say, there was one thing, but that stands out for you that made the most significant difference in how you were able to expand your cheese knowledge and compete at this level. Like, Ooh, that's, that's a great you know, almost, almost like what you'd give advice to somebody who's new in cheese, kind of like a twofold question. Yeah. I think actually taking opportunities to push myself and to, to take risks has been the biggest sort of game changer for me. And really that comes from putting myself out there and competing in Cheesemonger Invitational three times um, and sort of taking on the challenges that are given to me and using them as excuses to expand my skills and try new things um, that I would not normally try in sort of a safe professional environment where, um, you know, sales are at risk or something. Um, and then also just being really involved in the cheese community and talking to people and looking at people's work and um, sort of 
like Sam said earlier, immersing myself in what other cool things are happening and then seeing how you can apply those um, in, in your own work. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. So get involved, talk to people, immerse yourself, go outside your comfort zone. I'm going to guess is part of what you've described to me a little bit too, uh, like risk, but risk in the sense of, I, I think comfort is more the risk, right? Um, you're, you're risking your comfort more than say, you know, monetary or brand risk. You're, you're, um, and, and Sam, yeah. Uh, Sam, what would you say? Is it, it's, uh, I'm, I'm sure you could agree with a lot of that, but is there one thing that stands out for you that's made the most significant difference for you? And it would kind of be kind of advice in disguise to younger professionals hoping to up their cheese game. Yeah, I don't know. I do definitely agree with everything Courtney said. Um, most days of, days of the week, I feel like I'm just a 36-year-old rookie pipsqueak, um, so I'm not necessarily qualified to give a lot of people advice, but I feel like that's kind of great. Like there's Everybody has their own skill set, and everybody has their own path that leads them where they want to go. Um, and I feel like that's one of the really cool things about cheesemongering in particular is there are so many people coming from so many different starting places who get to a place of success, whatever that means for each person individually. And that's always one thing that really strikes me when I'm in a room with those people at CMI or elsewhere is just how many stories are in that room and how many motivating factors got them there. Um, I think there, it's really amazing how many routes can take you into a career in cheese. Cheese can just happen, right? It's our community is just amazing. Um, it's a very warm, welcoming community, and that, that's the reason I love it most. And it does seem to only embrace and foster growth. Um, so many humble people that are that support uh, the very sentiment. Um, and uh, I wish you both the best of luck. I wish we had more time. Um, it's just great to have you on. I'm sure we'll see each other before you actually get to – France, but um, I'm so grateful that you could be both here on the line with us and and, and have uh, you get some ideas out into the cutting the curd uh, radio waves out here. So uh, the, I just want to say thank you again joining for the cutting the curd uh, to talk what's going on in both your worlds uh, in this 2023 year, aspiring to be the best cheesemonger in the world. And I'm sure this year is already shaping up to be a huge year for you both. So. Good luck preparing for Mondial du Fromage. Uh, embrace the process, and please bring us back a trophy for Team USA and the cheese community back home. Sound like a deal? Yes. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thank you, Joe. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you both. All right, everyone. You can follow Courtney on Instagram at the PH Cheese, and you can follow Sam on Instagram at sam.cheeseontoast. Plus, you can follow us on Instagram at Cutting the Curd and follow me at Sting Chef. Please listen and subscribe to Cutting the Curd via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, please give us a five-star rating if you like us a lot. It will mean so much and also really help us broaden our audience. So thanks again, everyone. And if you love someone, send them cheese.
heard is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.